I'm a tall boy, but I need to have that zero suit Samus body for C two E two. Oh my god, please. I'm doing uh, it. Oh good. I, I I thought you were joking. I'm glad you're committing. Oh no. Yes. I'm going for like old school Nintendo power Samus, not Man, you you're making me just for the bit, you're making me want to go as Black Politana. <laughs> Just because I, like, I know I could rock that, and, like, fuck you. Just our mains. Yeah, just our smash mains. I'm into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Backstage Gaming. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And we're here to provide dramatic takes on your favorite games... We haven't been recording that much more than usual, but between, like, it's been we, had, we had the late a episode a, a couple weeks ago, we recorded, two days later we recorded the guest episode, and now it's only, like, three or four days after that. So, like, I'm not complaining, because I'm getting a yeah. lot of happy, fun Dylan time. We should, mm, uh, but, we should try to record uh, Monday, so just so we're, like, back on schedule. <laughs> that'd be nice, Monday or Tuesday. Monday or get Tuesday, back into that, yeah. Get back into that grind, so that... There's more editing time. I also, I don't know if you noticed this in the, uh, our, our group chat with our friends, Dylan, but -hmm. I have reached the point of madness where I can recognize, like, I am intimately familiar with what you look like in waveform. (laughs) Oh, God. I know what your ums and uhs look like without having to hear them, and I can tell the difference between the two of them. That's... (laughs) Because I've had to edit so many of them out. I'm so sorry. I think this is what being married feels like. <laughs> um, so this is Backstage Gaming. We are a video game podcast. We are two actors. We talk about games through our lens as theater makers. Uh, and this week we're going to do something kind of fast and loose. We don't have like... There's a game that got our juices or specifically Dylan's juices flowing. But it's about a concept that sort of spreads throughout gaming as a medium and even into like film and other other mediums as well uh dylan why don't you jump in with that lead-in you have calm down about kingdom hearts <laughs> <laughs> welcome to our hot take youtube channel Go, i'm going i'm going for the jugular like uh this this was inspired by a video that tim rogers of kotaku.com recently put out and it, it's a really good uh video and this it inspired me so much that this is what our episode is going to be about. Um, thanks, Tim Rogers. <laughs> thanks, Tim Rogers. Uh, so, Tim Rogers, marvelous man that he is, uh, was basically talking about Kingdom Hearts 3 and how there's a lot of anticipation and anxiety on how the layperson is going to perceive Kingdom Hearts 3. There's this attitude among Kingdom Hearts fans. Uh, and I, I'm not saying this, like, in a derogatory or in a smug fashion, because I, I get it. Like, you guys are passionate about this game, and you guys are passionate about this story. And I am a very casual Kingdom Hearts fan, so I only somewhat feel that same hot-bloodedness, hot-blooded love for this series. Right. But basically, it, there's this idea that if you haven't played every single Kingdom Hearts game that was ever released... Of which there are, I want to say, 11 before Kingdom Hearts 3. Too many. I'm, I'm going to come out and <laughs> say... There are 11 Kingdom Hearts games that lead up to Kingdom Hearts 3, the 12th game in the series. When you run, in, when you run into the point of having titles like 358 over two days... It's you're... a 358 days for two, Chris? 
you rendered me catatonic temporarily. Um, <laughs> you're, you're scraping the bottom of the creative barrel a little bit. That's Again, I say this as someone true. who really likes Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, and what's the deck-building one? Which of the uh, stupid titles is the deck-building one? Uh, that's actually a pretty decent title. It's, it's Chain, Chain of, of Memories, Memories, right? Uh, which gets a title drop that isn't completely stupid in-game. Um, yeah. A lot of people hate Chain of Memories. Uh, just gonna throw out real quick that I I really like it. Maybe I have to revisit it and learn to hate it. But yeah, I'm maybe the people who hate it hate it for like story reasons that I don't care about. Anytime no, no, you they, inter- they hate it for the deck building reasons. Oh no, man, I love that. Anytime <laughs> you're so like good. combining weird genres, I'm gonna be way into it. Um, I feel like I feel like we're just the bad takes. Like we love the bad <laughs> games. <laughs> Apparently, but anyway, so yeah, there's this idea around the Kingdom Hearts game that like you need to have consumed all available Kingdom Hearts media in order to get the most out of the... Is it still upcoming or has it released? Um, It's coming out in a couple days. I thought it was was... coming out tomorrow, but I was wrong. It will have been released by the time this episode is up. Um, I believe so, yes. Probably. But, like, if you have not consumed all available Kingdom Hearts media and digested it fully and, like, gone through it for all of the detail, you will not get as much out of playing Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, and so Tim Rogers' video was basically Kingdom Hearts fans and people interested in Kingdom Hearts and people who are going to be reviewing Kingdom Hearts. It, it is a series that is told with intuition and feeling rather than logic. Even the first game, like, I'll, I'll go into, like, the plot. I'll do, like, a very, very brief uh, plot synopsis or, like, of the high points of the Kingdom Hearts series for me later, but basically, like, there's a lot in these games, even from the first game, where it's kind of like, oh, that didn't really make a lot of sense until you go and look at the secret journals and read the lore, and you might be confused, things might not absolutely make sense, but the games and the stories still work because there is, wait for it, a heart at the center of it all. Kingdom Hearts is a series that, like, you know, it might seem confusing and obtuse on the surface but you can enjoy at least like any of the individual titles i've played without like needing the greater context of the rest of the series yeah uh i'm gonna jump in i have like two thesis statements to make about this general concept first off i think that the fact that this kind of storytelling with like things don't really make sense until you put in the work of like reading all the secret journals or, like, doing the Easter egg hunts around the maps or, like, whatever it happens to be is a really cool thing in games. Yeah. Like, games as an interactive medium have this unique ability to, like, make you work for a story and not in the way that, like, a challenging book does. Yeah. Like... Metroid Prime is one of my favorite games, for example, because the story is entirely conveyed in journals that you pick up. Exactly. And that's rad, but... And it is also a fundamentally different kind of work than like i'm gonna read a faulkner novel also work also requires a lot of effort on my part to like (laughs) get the most out of it but like in a different way and in a way that is more engaging and in a way that is more like playing into the strengths of the medium and playing into like it's interactive you can interact and find things on the other hand Mm -hmm. a story needs to be comprehensible yeah story structure 101 There is a beginning, there is a middle, and there is an end. Yes. For a story to work, for a story to be effective, and for a story to carry an audience through itself, no matter what medium you're in, you need to be able to follow that thread from the beginning through the middle and to the end without losing it and without 
the possibility that a piece of the puzzle will be missing because you didn't go down the right hallway. And, you know, that that works for overarching stories, but that also works for individual stories. As a kid, there were so many different series that, like, I just kind of read out of order. To, to use books as examples, in, like, second and third grade, I think I started Secret of Droon with, like, one of the last entries in the series. And, like, a series of unfortunate events, I remember clearly, the first book I read was Nine, because that was the only one that was available in the library. <laughs> Uh, I, had, um, I had a similar experience with the uh, the Pendragon novels, like the first Pendragon novel. Oh, dude! Novel I didn't I know you read, read Pendragon. I loved the Pendragon novels. Oh, they're, they're so fucking good. great. Uh, like, but the first one I ever read was like book four or five because it just like it caught my eye and I started reading it. And like, yeah, I was a little confused at the beginning, but like, it was an in and of itself a story, and so I was able to follow the events of that book. And you, you know, you are able like humans are able to piece together the status quo, and if they are not attempting to then they probably weren't interested in like they were probably looking to bash the story from the beginning and there's nothing you can do about that exactly to put this kind of like this take about kingdom hearts in terms that someone who doesn't know about kingdom hearts might understand uh i'm gonna take as we frequently do i'm gonna like reach out there and grab the big pop culture miasma that is star wars i've always i i knew star wars was coming up and so let us yeah. go <laughs> like to say that you cannot appreciate Kingdom Hearts 3 if you have not consumed every piece of Kingdom Hearts media up to this point. It's like in an alternate universe where Disney didn't, like... Actually, okay, I have a really good example. I'm sorry, I don't I don't mean to cut you off. No, but, go for uh, it. I actually, I think I watched all of the second generation, like, Avengers or Disney Marvel movies, mm -hmm. having only seen, like, maybe one or two of the first generation, and I didn't even see the Avengers. That's fair. I just I just <laughs> jumped right in because I, you know, I like the Marvel movies, but, like, I'm not crazy about them because I didn't really grow up with Western comics. So I, you know, I, I liked Spider-Man and I liked X-Men, but that was about it. So I didn't really get into it until, like, you know, I went to college and I was surrounded by people who were like, yeah, let's go see Avengers. So, you know, I had, I had to piece things together, but, like, I still enjoyed the movie and I still... You know, Age of Ultron, probably not the best Marvel movie, but, like, for what it's worth, I, I still vibed with it, you know? Yeah. Like, because, again, it is a story with a beginning, middle, and end within a greater story with a greater beginning, middle, and end. Yes. So, like, the this Kingdom Hearts thing is, like, if someone was like, oh, you're gonna go see, for, as an example, Avengers Infinity War, and you haven't seen Ant-Man, you're not gonna know the full picture. If anyone hasn't seen Avengers Infinity War, Ant-Man isn't in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> nothing to do with the film Ant-Man. Okay. I'm not gonna pretend Infinity that I War's am... Infinity War's kind of a weird one, though. Yeah, I, I... <laughs> and I'm not gonna pretend that I am the kind of person who is like, I don't know enough Marvel lore to be certain that nothing about Ant-Man actually comes back to matter in Infinity War, and I'm sure that somebody out there is taking great umbrage with the fact that I'm suggesting that. <laughs> the point stands. Another thing I want to make clear, to, the, to you out there, gentle person who is very upset that I didn't think Ant-Man was bearingless, or to you out there, the Kingdom Hearts fan who is very passionate about the series and very much believes that the appreciation that they have for the third game is based in all of that media that they've consumed, like, good for you. I'm glad that you have a thing that you love this much. And, like, we're not trying to say that you that, are bad for... Or that you are being obsessive with details because, like, you know what? You do you. Like, I mean, if you like this stuff, you like this stuff. And, like, you know, 
maybe that Kingdom Hearts person or that that gamer who picked up Kingdom Hearts 3 over there, maybe they don't know every single detail and might not appreciate every single plot twist, and they might be left a little dumbfounded. But, like, you know, if they're enjoying it, and hopefully they bought the game with the purpose of enjoying it. Yeah. Like, I ain't here to yuck your yum, I just don't want you to be here to yuck everyone else's yum. Yeah. Like, that's all. Like, there's there's this kind of, like, there's this smugness uh, (laughs) I've seen from, like, people who've been following the series where, like, someone's like, I'm gonna get in at game three, and they're all, like, chuckling to themselves, like, (laughs) and it's like, (laughs) it's like, yeah, no, you're right, like, they will probably be more lost than they expected, but, like, also... You know, if the game is doing its job, there will be an emotional center and a beginning, middle, and end that is completely self-contained and doesn't rely, you know, it doesn't use the other stories in the series as a crutch. Yeah. You don't see, and I guess to dive into Kingdom Hearts a little bit, and people who've never played Kingdom Hearts, don't worry about it, because knowing the backstory kind of runs counter to what we never I'm trying to say. We never explained what Kingdom Hearts is. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts is a crossover between Final Fantasy and Disney. It's a platformer, it's an action game, it's got RPG elements, it's really fun, and it's also kinda out there with its plot. The birth point of Kingdom Hearts was literally that a Disney executive and a Square Enix executive were in the same elevator at a game convention and started talking about how wild it would be if their characters were in the same game. Cool. Like, that actually happened and that turned into the game series. (laughs) Good. Um, we fixed it. Woo! We, we've been doing this for months. Just just slap that at the beginning. That's our intro, and then we'll have it play again in context. <laughs> um, it, it doesn't, like, uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, 5, 8 Days Over 2 um, establishes a lot of Roxas and Axel's friendship and relationship. But, like, we don't really see that in Kingdom Hearts 2, where the, the crux of that plot point is... Act like happens so there's a game that comes out after kingdom hearts 2 that actually establishes the friendship of these two characters but we kind of see the payoff for it in the game before that but like it still works because there is still enough detail of their relationship in kingdom hearts 2 that i'm trying to talk around spoilers but like when certain events happen you feel the full emotional impact i I guess one of the things that we need to talk about a little bit is just like Multi-part stories are weird. Multi-part stories are hard to write. Because, like we're saying, you need to know what the big picture is. But you also need each individual, whether it's a book or a play or a game or a movie or whatever it is, each individual piece of that multi-part story has to have its own self-contained story. It's the kind of thing where there is a difference between it being enhanced to see the full picture... And it being required to see the full picture. Yeah. Like, if Kingdom Hearts 2 was indecipherable, if, like, major moments were flat or didn't mean anything or had, like, no emotional payoff or just felt disjointed and not in the fun way that Kingdom Hearts is always kind of disjointed, but in, like, a jarring and, like, not narratively satisfying way because you didn't consume 358 over two days... That's bad. 358 over two days, introducing more stuff that grants increased insight and greater nuance to the things that already worked in Kingdom Hearts 2 is a good thing. I don't know if this is making a ton of sense, but there's like a... No, I I get what you're saying. So, yeah, I I think that's 
you know, Tim Rogers had already talked about this. I don't want to completely ape his entire video because... I haven't watched his video, so if we're aping it, I don't know. It's really good. No, actually, I think I think we talked about... Because we talked about Axel and Roxas' relationship, and I think the example Tim Rogers uses talks about how Nomura said Birth by Sleep is a prequel, and it's the episode zero of Kingdom Hearts. And then he released another prequel and said Birth by Sleep is now 0.1, episode (laughs) 0.1 of Kingdom Hearts. Nomura, you madman. So, like, you know, it's very obvious that, like, he's also just kind of, like, making it up as he goes along. And, like, yes, it is all building up to Kingdom Hearts 3, but, you know, with any luck, Kingdom Hearts 3 will have a plot in and of itself, even with all these extra details that, like, fans will get and understand that will inform the stakes Hopefully there will it will still be a story about Sora, his friends Donald Duck and Goofy, and them taking on the forces of evil, darkness. And hopefully that will be a story that is, you know, if confusing, at least, like, you will understand it, you will laugh, you will feel for these characters. And when it ends, you will, you know, you might not know everything but you'll at least be satisfied exactly like i i think like another good example and i i feel like we should move on to a different game soon but the last thing i'm gonna say is like you know as a kid i had no clue what the hell dragon ball z was about <laughs> i still don't <laughs> dragon ball z is not about things <laughs> like for real though i will you know i i i started watching the show and then I dropped it. I tapped out at Z because it was just paced really weirdly. And like, you know, whenever I talk with friends about it, like they will keep on throwing out plot details where I'm like, I had no clue that was a thing. I completely forgot about that. What? Are you kidding me? That's the stupidest. So <laughs> what, what What I'm saying is like <laughs> Kingdom Hearts is smarter than DBC. No. <laughs> um, I'm making enemies. I love Dragon Ball, by the way, uh, listeners. I <laughs> don't kill me. The Broly movie was really good. Um, <laughs> I'm just sitting here digging listening to you out of digging hole. yourself deeper and deeper, and it's very entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be liked. To to rescue you, to throw a ladder down into your pit. Um, <laughs> I think that if we're talking about like lore and storytelling that isn't traditional storytelling in games like the the big name series that we need to talk about currently is the souls series uh not dank souls dank souls dank souls 2 and dank souls 420 as i believe they are titled um i can't believe kingdom hearts is the dark souls of square enix properties (laughs) bad meme um it's a pretty bad meme (laughs) So, because I remember that we are trying to, you know, launch this into a world that maybe isn't all game players, uh, the Dark Mm -hmm. Souls series are, they're kind of fascinating because it is very much like a Western fantasy world and Western fantasy story created by a not-Western group of storytellers and creators. Yeah, Um, um, Dark Souls is the most Western fantasy Japanese RPG I've ever played. Yeah. But basically, the story of Dark Souls as it is presented to you in the game is that you are an undead. You have to go into the world and fight things because if you don't, bad things will happen. But because you're undead, when you die, you don't actually die. You get to go back and, like, start again. The entirety of Dark Souls is built on this gameplay loop of, like, you go out and you explore and you fight and it's very difficult and... 
as you fight, you collect souls that you can use to get stronger, but if you die, you lose all the souls until you can make your way back to that point and collect them again without dying. And that's really it as far as story. Yeah. Like, obviously I'm leaving some stuff out because if that was it, like, what would there be? But if we're talking about, like, a narrative through line and a narrative structure, none of the Souls games really have one beyond a call to action of, like, you have to do this thing. And then maybe a little ways into the game, you accomplish that first goal and you talk to someone who's like, ah, now you can go do this thing. And you're like, okay, I guess. Yeah, there's very little context given. There's very little in the story to actually propel you forward narratively. Yeah. What it does have is a frankly terrifying amount of lore. So Every item has flavor text that you can read in the menus even if it's just a basic spear or shield or like piece of armor all the way up to like the things you get when you beat bosses every item has flavor text and if you are willing to put in the time to read all the flavor text and talk to all of the different npcs over and over until you exhaust their dialogue there's a lot of learn this world's entire myth of creation you can learn Uh, All of the various heroes, you can learn about some of the enemies you've slain. Or are going to slay. Or are going to slay. There is a huge amount of lore, and a huge amount of world, and a huge amount of, like, meat on the bones. But they don't actually, like, go out of their way to provide you with this. They make it your job as the player to learn these things. And, like, I am of two minds about this. Okay. Because on the one hand, I think it's rad. I think it's really cool. I like that, like I said at the beginning, I like that they are leaning into the unique engagement ability of video games to, like, be interactive and, like, making all of the actual storytelling interactive in that way is really cool. On the other hand, I really wish there was, like, I like the Souls games, and I will go through periods of, like, really wanting to play Dark Souls or... Like, when we were living together, I played a lot of Dark Souls 3 because I like the gameplay, I like the world, I like exploring the environments and figuring things out and fighting the bosses. But, like, I guess that for me, I am very much drawn to narratives. Yeah. I want a game that wants to tell me a story in more than just a, hey, we have a story if you're willing to put in the hours, buddy. (laughs) To contrast it with something you brought up earlier, Metroid Prime. Yeah, yeah. Like, Metroid Prime is similar except that it's all there for you on the beaten path like all of the story is there to be picked up as journal entries and as things that you can scan with your scan visor but you can totally overlook it as well yeah you can overlook it and like miss out on it but it's less i don't know now i'm now i'm thinking about why this is different for me well i think metroid is different because like dark souls is like you you really kind of have to cross-reference to get, like, a greater picture. Whereas, um, you know, in Metroid Prime, you have, like, the journal entries of this native species to the planet you're on. Then you have the journal entries of the space pirates that are now colonizing this planet. And you have the journal entries of maybe some marines that are fighting the space pirates there. You could say that's cross-referencing, but that's really just kind of seeing the story from, like, three different perspectives. So in Metroid Prime, you're basically late to the party you kind of show up on a planet that is currently in the process of ending and like you're trying to figure out what happened here and how can i save it dark souls you know you're also late to the party but like 
the game doesn't really see it necessary to hand you that information. Like, if you pick up a sword, you have the option of looking at the item, and the item will say, Oh, this sword was forged by blank blank of Eldorath. And I don't know a lot of Dark Souls lore. That's uh, fair. And you, you know, I would believe he was you. a great swordsman. And then, like, you know, you could pick up a shield that said, like, this was commissioned for the blacksmith of Eldorath by Lord Menzabar or something like that. You know, like, and you kind of have to, like, look at this item here and look at that item there and kind of cross-reference and get a big story on who this blacksmith was. And honestly, it doesn't really matter a lot for your quest, but, like, you know, it's something you know now, and it might give a little bit more context or flavor to the world you populate. Yeah, and I think Um, that's a smart way of doing it. Again, Dark Souls is not out to, like, tell a story. Yeah. That's not what the game is for. The story of Dark Souls is you overcoming increasingly harder monsters. Yeah. To any Dark Souls fans out there who are foaming at the mouth right now there's a difference between story and lore yeah that that is that is our thesis statement for this episode um <laughs> the the kingdom hearts thing also reminds me a little bit of to to, to go back to star wars because this <laughs> we can't this, we can't escape i mean this is relevant and it still amuses me to my core uh a few years ago when disney acquired star wars and announced that they were going to start making more movies oh yeah there was a period of a few months where, like, the Star Wars fandom, which is great and dark and powerful. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've heard it said before that nobody hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans, and it's very true. You um, could say that about any nerdy fandom. <laughs> it's really true. But there was a, a period of a few months where the Star Wars fans, or a vocal portion of them at least, were, like, hotly debating which of the various expanded universe stories we were going to see made into the follow-up films because if any of you are you know not deep fans of the star wars universe there is (laughs) a lot of media outside of the original films that has come to be referred to as the expanded universe there are novels there are comics comics i wouldn't be surprised if there was at least one audio drama it we're it's it's the year of our lord 2019 i'm gonna bet there are three (laughs) <laughs> um, but like they're all you know licensed by the Star Wars brand but they're various authors sort of it's a really fascinating thing it's speculative fiction of a fictional universe yeah it's these people like coming up with possible storylines beyond what was presented in the film and there's ones about Luke turning to the dark side and there's my favorite of them, because I stumbled upon one series when I was a kid that I loved, were the Rogue Squadron novels. Which oh, yeah, were you basically were telling me about this. Top Gun in space, and they just followed, like, a bunch of hotshot starfighter pilots, and they were great. But there's a lot of speculation about what these new movies were going to be and which of the expanded universe things were going to be turned into films. And then the mouse killed their dreams... <laughs> <laughs> and announced that none of the expanded universe was going to show up in the new Star Wars movies, and because in fact, none, none of the it expanded universe anymore. was canon. <laughs> and it's all go- not it never happened. And again, if you go back and read it, you're an idiot. The Star Wars fandom is vast and dark and angry <laughs> and powerful, and this did not sit well. 
I don't know. It, it's the same kind of feeling, I think, that is coming out of this, like... Okay, so, you know, the the Thrawn trilogy, or I don't know if that's good or bad. I know very I, little about the expanded universe. I do, too. I know, Star, uh, I know Rogue okay, Squadron because those books were great. If you're a Star Wars fan and you love the expanded universe, like, your favorite story, is it rendered worse now that it is not canon? Especially now that it is not canon with Disney's films, which you probably don't like anyway? You know, I'm just going to throw that out there. If this art has value to you, that doesn't go away. Um, okay. I, I feel like I that was like a minor tangent. You go back to what That's you were going fair. to say. I guess I was just thinking, like, that is a similar sort of, like, they are their own stories. They exist within this space. They are not vital to everyone's understanding of these films. And, like, maybe this is something that never happened, but, like, it feels like if someone was like, oh... You're going to watch Star Wars Episode Six, and you haven't read Luke Goes to the Moon, or I, I'm making something <laughs> like Earth's Moon, Chewie's Big Day, the Holiday Special. <laughs> That's film. That means it's canon. Oh, uh, oh god! <laughs> I'm going to say this, and by saying it, I'm going to make it false. But nobody would ever say that about like a Star Wars film. No, no one would be like. You can't watch Empire Strikes Back because you haven't read these 18 supplementary essays. <laughs> and yet, somehow in the Kingdom Hearts fandom, and, like, I feel like, was there any of that with Persona 5? No, actually. Like, Interesting. You know, there's there's a part of me, well, because each Persona game stands on its own pretty I well. I guess that's fair. Um, But, like, you know, for me, there's always a thing of, like, oh, man, I really wish you got that Easter egg. Or, like, oh, man, this would be really cool if, like, you kind of knew if you could compare or in- and contrast it with previous games in the series. But, like, it was never such to the point where I'm like, you cannot understand this game because you have not... You you see that butterfly over there? You have there? not lived my art. You see that butterfly over there? That's Philemon from Persona 2. And I can't believe you don't know that. Because, like, <laughs> you know, that's, like, an actual thing. There's, like, little sh- tiny... There's a butterfly that shows up in Persona 3. That's a shout-out to Persona 2. That is otherwise, like, not important to the story of Persona 3. And, you know, it stands on its own despite that. And, like, you know, I, I mean, I feel like that should be obvious. Because, like, you know, Persona has, like, this really deep lore in the first Persona 1 and Persona Two, I, the reason why I'm kind of saying that weirdly is because it's technically the first three Persona games because Persona Two is a two-parter. Those games have like this huge pit of lore in regards to how they even get the Personas, and I, I'm 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 rambling right now. But uh, what what's important is that like you know they decided, all right, all this lore is cool. We can make references to it, but let's you know, let's not limit ourselves creatively. Let's tell a story. Let's tell a story. Yeah. That's what Kingdom Hearts 3 is for me. Like, yes, it is a conclusion. With any luck, it will also be its own story. Yeah. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. There's there's one last series I kind of want to talk about, and I think I'll just jump right in if Do that's it. cool. Uh, jump so into ta- me. Let, let's talk about Breath of the Wild. 
Oh, yes. Terrible Zelda game. Uh, the worst Zelda game. Awful Zelda game. Love it. Game of the year. Bad game Zelda game. Game of the year. Game. Terrible Zelda game. Uh, every time. This is an inside joke that you are now all privy to. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no. So, Breath of the Wild is, like, this weird and interesting beast. And, like, I, I fell into this trap myself where, like, when I was seeing trailers for this, I'm like, where does this fall on the timeline? Because uh, <laughs> for people who aren't familiar with Zelda, I guess you're also not familiar with Mario, but Zelda is a series of fantasy games, and I'll leave it at that. But the important thing about this series is that there are a lot of games, and they all kind of have a loose continuity, so much so that like for much of the nine, like you know, 90s and 2000s, people were obsessive about trying to take every game and kind of putting them on one or two timelines and two like time just trying lines, because just, there, one of there the games time involves time time travel shenanigans and and so alternate yeah. universe and so you know lore is a big thing uh in the zelda games they have their own myth of creation they have a timeline where like you know this link is the 17th reincarnation of link or whatever you know maybe not that quantifiable but you get the point and so when breath of the wild came out the the latest zelda game Everyone was kind of like, oh my god, where does this fall in on the timeline? And it's funny because, as like, you know, amongst all the other complaints longtime Zelda fans have about Breath of the Wild, it also doesn't really have a point on the timeline. It references all three of them. There are three timelines. Uh, Nintendo released an official timeline because, I guess, you know, fans, <laughs> they wanted fans to stop badgering them. <laughs> um, which, like... Again, Shigeru like, Miyamoto was just like in his home with the blinds closed. Like maybe now they'll leave me alone. <laughs> no, he's just he's sipping some tea and he's like, the tea is hot today. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shigeru Miyamoto is sassy in my mind, in my head canon. <laughs> this uh, is fair. I, I, a, I a real enjoy life it. person. There's there's the sense of disappointment because not only Breath of the Wild is also a very subdued zelda there's not a whole lot of story to be gleaned from it a lot of that game is really just you kind of turning this huge expanse of land into your personal playground you know there's this idea of like i can't quantify this but i feel like at the same time um zelda breath of the wild what kind of makes it work is that even if you don't necessarily like the story of breath of the wild there is still a story to be gleaned from it you are a hero who has who was defeated a hundred years ago and you what you wake up out of a what's essentially a cryogenic sleep and you have amnesia so a huge part of the game is remembering the task that you were given before you went into your sleep and then also gathering up the means to see that through to the end but you are also trying to remember your comrades and so there is this the emotional center of breath of the wild is trying to make what has become unfamiliar, familiar again. It's so good. And like, so, yes, there's a problem where, like, like, what time does this take place in? But at the same time, it doesn't really matter because that's so against what the point of the story is. The story is about, like, gathering information that is pertinent, I guess, to yep. who you are and where you fit in this world that currently exists right now. Yeah, Breath of the Wild is probably one of the best examples of that this thing i've been talking about throughout this episode of like making you work for the story yeah that i've ever played because if you just play through breath of the wild to like complete it if you're just going to like 
do the four divine beasts, which are these like big like magic robots that you will help you complete your quest, essentially. Doing those individual story moments provides you with enough of the story and a lo- enough of this link recovering his memory and remembering who he is to provide a meaningful and rewarding and fulfilling story. Yeah. But if you're willing to put in the time and, like, do the side quests and explore the world and find the other memories that are hidden, it doesn't change the story. I'm not here to say that not doing that gives you an incomplete picture, but going out and finding, like, the other memories that are optional create a lot more moments of, like, getting to see this Link as he was and provides you a lot more context. Like, Breath of the Wild is really the only character-focused Zelda game. Most I of the Zelda I don't know if I would go that far, but I... I, would say, I, I by character-focused, I don't mean, like, has good characters. I mean... You mean on the character of Link? I mean, the character of Link is the story. I I half agree with that. I yeah. think I think uh, that's giving uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask too little credit. I actually, I have a video I should send you later. Even there, like... Uh, I agree with you that Ocarina of Time and, and Majora's Mask links ha- Link has character, but those games are the driving force of Majora's Mask is the moon and the people around Link, like the world of uh, Termina. The, the driving, the I'll, driving I'll talk, force. I'll talk to you after the episode. Okay, is over. we we okay. can agree to disagree. I guess what yeah. <laughs> my my point is that they build this way of learning more about this character into the side quests, and that for one thing, provides a great reward if you're already looking to be the kind of person who's going to do those side quests. But also, if you happen to just, like, stumble upon one of the locations that triggers one of these memories while you're out exploring and you're not typically a side quest chaser, that can provide, like, a oh, that's what I'm going to get. I'm going to go out and explore more of the world. And they creates kind of this cool feedback loop between the narrative engagement of the piece and the gameplay engagement of the piece. And I think that's a really cool thing that Breath of the Wild does really well. Yeah, yeah. One last thing I want to say, uh, like, pertaining to Breath of the Wild. This is, surprise, this just became the Breath of the Wild uh, spoiler cast. <laughs> My favorite thing about Breath of the Wild, or at least Breath of the Wild's story, I should say, is that there is a crucial plot detail that, like, is completely missable, by the way. Um, and so I guess, like, we're talking about lore and how, like, oh, you won't get the full impact if you... I feel like I'm kind of going against that, but, like, this entire episode we were talking about how lore details aren't necessary to in, in understanding the emotional center of the story. And I still hold to that. And I will say that knowing this thing about Link in a journal that is completely missable does kind of... will maybe, like, put the story in perspective for people... Um, so they, they established that in Link's previous life, like, before the start of the game. Pre the he, big sleep. Pre the big sleep, yes. He felt trapped in his role as the hero, because he is this hero of legend chosen by the goddesses to fight evil. And he feels that he has to act a certain way, and behave a certain way, and carry himself a certain way. The joy of Breath of the Wild, I think, and if you know nothing else about, like, the story, know this, is that... Breath of the Wild is all about the player being free and expressing themselves however they want. And a lot of Link's dialogue is very upbeat and chipper, which which is contrasted with how characters have described him in journal entries. And I feel like I'm going against my point, but like, but I, what I will say is this. You don't need to know who the hero of time is 
to know that the hero in Breath of the Wild is, like, you know, to understand the Link in Breath of the Wild as a character. Yeah, and to sort of bounce off of what you were saying, you know, you'll notice that contrast. You'll notice the difference between, like, this kind of jovial freedom and the descriptions of Link that are provided by the characters around him who knew him pre-Big Sleep. These are things that are visible and are noticeable and will, like, be a contrast that you pick up on if you're paying attention to the story. But then you get the reason why. It's not vital, but it offers clarity in this optional thing that you can miss. Is that kind of what you're getting yeah. at? Yeah. I think cool. it, it's kind of weird because it, it goes against, like, what we were talking about in regards to Dark Souls. But then it, like, full force, like, kind of reinforces that, like, you don't need to play the rest of a series to enjoy one specific entry of a game and admire that game for what it does and how it stands out. Yeah. And I guess, like, that's kind of what I was struggling with because I'm like, well, we just talked about how you can enjoy Dark Souls without cross-referencing all the lore. <laughs> um but I guess, like, this is more of, like, the way Metroid Prime reveals lore, so maybe maybe I'm safe. Yeah. I also want to throw out, we were talking about how we don't want to yuck anybody's yum, and you can you can like games the way you like games. Don't gatekeep. Oh, That's yeah. not cool. If you're, yeah. if you're being snooty about Kingdom Hearts 3 because you don't want other people who aren't real gamers to like your stuff, like... Don't do that. That's not cool. I mean, like, I don't think it's even that. I think it's, it's that Kingdom Hearts fans kind... Kingdom Hearts fans are aware that, like, the story is kind of all over the place. Not necessarily in a bad way, but just, like, if you are not willing to kind of accept the story, you will not accept the story. Yeah. And so I think Kingdom Hearts fans have this anxiety, and they, they want people to enjoy Kingdom Hearts 3, but they, they're afraid that they are only going to be able to enjoy Kingdom Hearts 3 if they enjoy, like, if they enjoy the game's in the way that they have enjoyed the games. So it's like benevolent gatekeeping. <laughs> it's it is it is the most benevolent form of gatekeeping. That's it's not really even odd. it's not even like you're not a real Kingdom Hearts fan. It's like I really want you to be a real Kingdom Hearts <laughs> fan. <laughs> uh and like, you know, again, like I'm not I'm not yucking your yum, but like it's fine. Hopefully the people who are buying Kingdom Hearts 3 are interested in Kingdom Hearts 3 and are looking at it with the interest in the rest of the series. And maybe if they like Kingdom Hearts 3, they will be willing to put up with, you know, the the older graphics and, in some games' case, the uh, more stiff controls to, you know, experience the rest yeah. of this series. To assuage your fears, Kingdom Hearts fans, I wouldn't pay $60 retail price to play a game just to make fun of it. <laughs> like, that'd be, that'd be pretty like, dumb. That's a big ask for me to play a game i think i'm gonna dislike so just if people are talking about buying the game give them the benefit of the doubt if you're picking up the game give it the benefit of the doubt this is a weird <laughs> series but it's a game that i've had it's a series that i've had a lot of fun with at least with the games i've played yeah um shall we wrap i think i think we're good yeah let's wrap thank y'all for listening to backstage gaming this was a fun one uh we are your one-stop shop for all of your theater and gaming take needs uh, and you can find that shop at bsgpod.com. That's where our podcast lives. It's our podcast home. Uh, <laughs> it's the cave in which our podcast lives. Yeah. It's our that. web cave. We're, we're Spider-Man. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Anymore. Does Spider-Man have a web cave? Uh, sure. I'm pretty uh, sure he does not. Shush. Uh, if you 
want to know anything about our show, please head to bsgpod.com. We've got bios for the two of us. We've got all of our episodes. We've got a glossary of terms. We've got all that good stuff. I'm still working on transcripts. That's going to happen. One of these days. One of these days. Yeah. And if you like our show, please do what you can to help us grow by spreading the word, telling your friends, telling your family, telling your enemies. Maybe there's somebody you really hate, but you know that this is the one way that you can make up, make it up and just change their life for the better and bring them back into the fold. Share our podcast with your worst enemy so that they can become your best friend. <laughs> we were talking about Dragon Ball Z earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Dylan, tell us about social media engagement. You should check out our social media. Uh, we got Facebook. (laughs) That was the worst audio. (laughs) Thank you for that gift. Uh, you're gonna have to send that one to me in isolation. (laughs) Uh, so we, we have, you can check us out on Facebook. You can check us out on Twitter. Our handle is at BSG underscore cast. We have a YouTube, uh, and you know, if if you liking what we putting down, if you if you're really vibing with us, uh, think about using the hashtag #BSGPod to uh, you know maybe spread some discussion around. Um, and if you like the art that we have up on our site, uh, that was provided to us by our friend Brennan French. You dig his stuff? Check out his Squarespace at brennanfrench.squarespace.com. That is B R E N N E N hyphen French dot squarespace.com. And as always, big thanks to our friend BioQuery for letting us use our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1, Instrumentality. It's really fun. It's like a 20-minute track full of really cool, weird instrumental stuff that happens. Uh, and you should check him out on Spotify or at his SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash bioquery. That's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. In fact, I'm opening my Spotify right now. Look at that. Not before we're done recording. Oh, no, Uh, you can't (laughs) stop me. I'm listening to these hot jams. (laughs) Don't heat up your jam, kids. That's not good. Um... (laughs) 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 while dylan's recovering from his fugue state that i've just put him in let me say uh you should be on the lookout for dylan appearing in a upcoming arc of the unexplored places podcast an actual play podcast made by a friend of ours uh check them out they are on twitter and also on libsyn i want to say uh just look up the unexplored places it's a really fun spooky podcast that dylan will be appearing in Uh, And you'll also be able to hear my voice at the end of the first season of the upcoming podcast, Unwell. Uh, They are on Twitter, and they are at, I believe it's Unwell Pod... Like, search Unwell Podcast. I don't know what the URL is off the top of my head. But they're launching soon. They've got an early episode up on Apple Podcasts right now. And if you listen through all the way, you'll get to hear my voice having something dreadful happen to it. But yeah, I think that'll do it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Chris. I'm Dylan. And we have been Backstage Gaming. I'm going to go enjoy some hot jam. I fucking hate you. (laughs) 